All right, everybody, welcome back to the Motor City Sound episode number 55. I am your host, Mitch McCartney. Follow us on Twitter at MCSound22. Follow us on Instagram at MCSound2022. We are presented by Rise Network. Follow Rise socials are at Rise Network US, and the website is www.risenetworkus.com. And today, joining us from sunny Las Vegas, the palm trees are a bountiful. I'm sure the sunscreen is going on top of the head at all times. He is uh, live from Summer League in Las Vegas. They're covering the Pistons for the Pistons Pulse of the Detroit Free Press. He's been on the pod many times before, and I'm excited to welcome him back. Bryce Simon. What's up, Mitch? Yeah, like I I don't go outside enough whenever I'm out here to have to put any sunscreen on. Like uh, everybody's complaining about the heat. I'm like, just don't go outside. So I go hotel, maybe to another hotel, get in the Uber, hit up the gym, stay in the gym where it's nice and and AC. So um, I don't go outside a whole lot with it. My my buddy that I came out here with. He like he he did have us walk into some casino like way like fifteen minute walk. I was like, bro, we're Ubering back. I'm not making this walk again. So you're gonna get lit uh, up, man. By yeah, that yeah. Sun. Yes, Umbrella so, in between walks to the Uber. <laughs> yes, yes. So no, it it's great. I'm, I'm I'm having a great time out here. That the game on Thursday night was incredible. Got to you know meet a bunch of people, say hello. Um, you know, got to even shake Troy Weaver's hand. You know, just say what's up to Troy Weaver. And so it was a great time, and I'm excited to talk all about it today. Bryce is never washing that hand again. <laughs> All right. You you said it right there. Thursday night, last night. This is being recorded on Friday, the what is it, the eighth? Yes, the eighth. Friday the eighth. Um, let's let's get right into it, man. Got a win versus the Portland Trailblazers. Gonna start with recapping that game a little bit. 20 points, six rebounds, six assists from our fifth overall pick, Jay Nivey. Jalen Duran looking good with the lobs, couple of blocks. Uh what some highlights? What did you see out there? What did you like? What did you not like? Yeah, so I think those two were the ones that stood out, right? And, and those are the ones everybody wanted to see. You know, the, the two rookies. Uh, I know we all wanted to see Gabriel Prashida. If anybody didn't get to watch the game, Prashida was setting with Cade Cunningham, Sadiq Bay, and actually Dwayne Casey was set. They were all sitting on the front row opposite the Pistons bench together watching the game. And, and Arntelum was there as well, setting with that group. So Prashida was there with those guys. And I actually get to go watch practice today. So I'm interested to see if Prashida's practice is with them or not. But yeah, Ivy and Ivy was good. Uh, I do want to say this, you know, I was there kind of sitting courtside with the media. So I don't get to watch the game the way I want to Mitch, if that makes sense, whenever I'm like, I'm tweeting out pictures and videos and that stuff. And so I am going to go back and watch the game actually probably after we finish recording just to watch the, the game, the way I like to watch it. But in general, I thought Ivy showed some of the passing stuff that I've talked about. I think he's a little bit better of a passer than what people give him credit for. Now he throws some crazy ones as well. He did like the the fake behind the back pass back the other way. Um, had a couple poor decisions, but six assists is nothing to, you know, slight, um, made a couple jumpers. He even had the and one that they ended up calling an offensive foul. We don't get re we don't get the replays in the gym. So I don't know did they show it on the, on the TV? Was that an offensive foul? I don't know. In my, in my opinion, no. I mean, kind of a judgment call. If it might've been a different referee, it wouldn't have been called, but I mean, not something to really, really be that concerned about in my opinion. 
And then Jalen Duran, I just wanted more minutes. And they did say post game that Jalen Duran was on a minutes restriction. Remember, like that trade didn't go through officially until the sixth. So he was only with the team officially for 24 hours. Right. So I think it was just one of those things, getting him up to speed, making sure he's in as good a shape as he needs to be. They just didn't have as much time to have their hands on him as they did Jay Nivey and others. But he looked good in the minutes, man. I know we were talking pre-show, like there's been some G League talk with Jalen Duran, but man, he, he looks like he's ready for the NBA right now. Dude, that body, that body is for real. We were just talking a little bit pre-pod, like, hey, is it, does it hold up in person versus the pictures? And you're like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, what I think like he kind of reminds me and he's bigger than this guy when he came into the league. But uh, just in terms of like body composition, he really, really reminds me of a young Dwight Howard. I just literally how, how he's built. Like, oh, uh, I mean, just huge. Mitch, I literally told Amari Sanko for the second. That's my my you know co-host over at the Pistons Pulse podcast. We were Ubering from the gym last night back to the hotels. And I, I said, Amari, like we were talking about Jalen Duran. And I, I said, he kind of reminds me of Dwight Howard. Now, the Dwight Howard's shoulders are in are insane. So like, and I'm not saying that's who Jalen Duran is going to be like, don't, you know, don't take this and say like, you know, cause Dwight Howard was an, an incredible basketball player, but just kind of like you said, the body composition, he's only 18 years old. That's what's crazy. He's going to be the youngest player to start the NBA season. The youngest player in the NBA. I said this on the Pistons Pulse on, on Tuesday that everybody talks about Shaden Sharp, who we didn't get to see very much, by the way, on Thursday night, had a shoulder right. injury in that game. But everybody talks about him. Shane Sharp's already 19, Mitch. Jalen Duran doesn't turn 19 until November after the NBA season will have started. So um, more growth for that young man. He's already a lob threat, a rim protector. I think he's switchable. I I'm really excited. And I think we saw what we wanted to see from those two guys. So let's segue to two different guys, two Pistons that are coming back. Actually, one of them playing in his first summer league, surprisingly, Isaiah. Story. Yeah, let's start yeah. with him. Um, we'll go him and then we'll talk a little bit about Killian. I thought we really saw what we wanted to out of Stu. We saw the shot. The shot is look, he hit a lot of them. It's looking better. It seems like he's fixed that hitch in his jumper a little bit. I think we all noticed a little bit of a change this past season in his jump shot. And I think it's really, really big and very important that it seems like, and of course there is that asterisk, you know, it is summer league. He is a, sure. you know, going into his third NBA season here. He should be playing very well against these players. And he did. How big could it be if, if Isaiah Stewart does develop this outside jumper and maybe does bring a little bit of that into the regular season? I think, I mean, in my opinion, it just opens up the possibilities uh, for the Pistons offensively tenfold. It's huge. It's absolutely huge. If, if Isaiah Stewart is a true, if he can shoot 35 to 37% from three on three or four attempts a game, like Man. that's all you need. Like he, that is huge for the Detroit Pistons. Cause we know what he does defensively. We know he's switchable. We know he can hold up with just his strength in the post. Not, not like a great shot blocker, but he's a playoff switchable big. We've seen it. We just saw it play out in the playoffs, right? How important bigs that are switchable and can do those type of things. So defensively, he can do that. And then you're going to tell me he can space the floor because he's not this lob threat, right? We just talked about Jalen Duran, what he can do. Marvin Bagley, the third got the bag because he can go and catch lobs the way he can. Stu doesn't do those things. And I don't think that's changing Mitch. I don't think he's all of a sudden going to become a lob threat. So can he pick and pop? Can he stand in the corner and get a kick out, you know, a driving kick and knock that down? I think he was three or four on Thursday night. The one miss was not, it was a bad miss. And I ugly. know 
it was ugly. So that makes people nervous. It's the same thing with Jay Nivey. Jay Nivey, I think, hit three. Like, he didn't shoot a bad percentage from three. but the, it was two of five. I believe two of five. Two of five. Okay. So, like... The misses look bad, though, is what like gives you a little bit of pause. I will say this. See, I know it's summer league. Seeing Isaiah Stewart doing it in a game situation still means more to me than those videos we see circulating on Twitter. Because to me, those mean nothing other than what the form looks like. I don't care if he makes 20 in a row in that situation. Seeing him do it in a game at full speed against competition – that was really good to see. And so I, I honestly wish he would have shot more. I wish he would have shot 10 of them. Uh, that's what that's what I wanted to see from Stu Absolutely. was shoot 10 threes and let's see if you can go four a 10. Yeah, I, I just I love that he really looked like a leader out there. He looked like he, he looked like a guy, like I mentioned earlier, that is going into his third NBA season and and somehow is actually playing in his first summer league. I was gonna say, so yeah, yeah. His first his rookie year was COVID, so none of those guys got to play. And then last season, just for the listeners, he rolled his ankle practicing with Team USA and so was not able to play in summer league last year. Right. Um, so let's segue to a person who I don't think necessarily looked like he was going into. He didn't do himself it, any favors. He, he he didn't. He really didn't do his, himself any favors. Killian Hayes, probably the most controversial member of the Detroit Pistons. A lot of people got very strong opinions on him, whether that's an opinion of him being good or him being bad, him being so-so, whatever it is. I think we needed Killian Hayes to go into this summer league and to like I say, Stuart, look like a guy who's been hit there before. Look like a guy who dropped, what was it, 31 points against the Oklahoma City Thunder late in the, late in the season last season, which was essentially like a G League, G League game. We needed to see that aggressiveness. And I do not have the box score right in front of me, but one thing that upsets me more than if Killian would have went out there and took 10, 12 shots and not made a lot of them, not, not shot a good percentage... I didn't see that aggressiveness from Killian. I didn't see the killer mentality, no pun intended, the killer mentality in him to where, hey, I'm going to go out. I'm going to be the best player on the court. I know for sure I'm the best defender on the other end. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to be the best offensive player. I'm going to make plays. I'm going to take threes. If I don't make them, oh, well, I'm going to be aggressive because at the end of the day, I know I have more NBA experience than just about everybody on this court. And I'm going to show them that. And we didn't see that from Killian Hayes. And I, I would be lying if I said that I wasn't very, very disappointed. And I really went, when's their next game? Is it Saturday night? Saturday night. Yep. I, I really, really need to see him flip that switch and maybe you're not going to make all your shots, but you got to take more. You got to act like more of, I got the keys to this car. I want to say I agree with you 100%, Mitch. And so I I think both of us are trying to tread lightly overreacting to this. So let's see what happens on Saturday. If we see a similar performance on Saturday night, like – my confidence in Killian Hayes will start to wane a little bit. He, he, there is no reason for him not to be the best player on the floor in that game. Absolutely no reason. You know, it's not like that Blazers summer league roster is just loaded and he didn't stand out at all. Like I'm out here with a couple of buddies, like just friends from back in the day. And they're, they're not even, they're only Pistons fans a little bit because you know, me doing what I do. And, you know, I talk with them about it and they're the same way. They're like, what is up with Killian? And, and I, I went on Locked On Pistons with Koo. Great podcast. One you guys should absolutely listen to. All sorts of great Pistons podcasts out there. You guys, you know, take them all in. And we, I said the, the worst case scenario for Killian was if he wasn't aggressive in the way you said, Mitch, 
and Javen, Jaden Ivy, Ivy just balled out. Jaden Ivy looked way better than Killian Hayes. Like, even though he wasn't perfect, even though he had some turnovers and made some bad decisions and all of those things, like, at least you noticed him. I, I never even noticed Killian. Now, again, I want to go back and rewatch the film because I was scrolling through Twitter and people were saying, well, he's getting blitzed on every ball screen. So what is he supposed to do? And maybe the offense wasn't running through him. So I reserve the right to change this a little bit. If I go back and watch the film and it's like, okay, maybe, but it's summer league, Mitch, you should be, if you're Killian Hayes in your going into your third season, you should be able to create your own opportunities. Like, come on now. Like you're killing, you're in your third season. You've played 92 NBA regular season games. It's, it's not the offense has to make it. If, if, if it's that important, the offense makes it works for you, then I don't know. He should have been able to dominate that game. Like he did that. OKC game. We saw at the end of last season. Yeah. Looking, I had a chance to pull up the box score right now. Only four four shot attempts for no, Achilles. No, like, that ain't just, that ain't getting not it done. enough. No, no, it's not simple. Like no way, shape, or form. And and the rest of the stats are solid. You know, only two turnovers, some assists, a steal. Like he, he didn't play necessarily a bad game at all. We just, I just didn't. We're not seeing what we need to see from him. We and need if that's that what he's gonna do, why is he playing? If that's what he's gonna do, fine then you're going to be the second unit point guard. Like what I wanted to see is what you're talking about. Like go get some buckets because yeah. that's what then can put you in the starting unit with cake. I don't even care this Mitch go stand in the corner and shoot 10 catch and shoot threes. I would be fine. Like what we just talked about with Stu show that you can make four out of 10 and we can play, we play you with Cade Cunningham in the starting lineup, but right. we didn't even see that. Nothing we saw last night was like, Oh, Killian's gotten better or this is coming along or what? Like, I don't, and I know everybody's going to blame Saban Lee, like, and Saban Lee was Mitch. <laughs> he was he, bad. <laughs> he was really bad. Like, and, and again, a guy going into his third year, a guy that has played in NBA games, has dominated. Here's what's interesting. He dominates the G League. Oh He's but, the G League Michael Jordan. But then look like that last night in summer league. And, and I don't know what kind of pressures on Saban or whatever. He was bad, but yeah, I, I don't like Killian. We, we needed to see more four shot attempts. Doesn't get it done. And I, I said this last night as well, as I was talking to people, I don't like the term injury prone. I, I don't, but like, it seems like there's something about that with people like maybe Killian's just unlucky, but last night he gets popped in the nose. He misses minutes at the end of the game. He gets hit in the eye and loses his contact or something and doesn't even finish the game. It's just like, whatever it is, Cause I'm not going to call out an NBA player for anything because I have no idea what they go through and have to do to get there, but he just can't stay on the floor. No, I, I agree. I, I do think that he does have a little bit of that almost like Anthony Davis quality where it seems like what appear to us as, as most of the time TV viewers, I know you were there in person last night, what appears to us as fans and as viewers as, minor injuries tend to hold him out for longer than that. Then it seems that it would your average NBA player. And I, I think you see that a little bit with Anthony Davis. And it seems like, Oh, he just stumbles a little bit. And then, Oh, it's three weeks with the calf sprain. And it's yeah. like, you know, Killian gets bumped in the face and he's out the rest of the game with a bloody nose. And it's like, I, I agree with you. You don't want to call them out and be like, you know, almost like, Hey, suck it up. Cause you yep. never really, you're not that person. You never no. really know what they're dealing with. Correct. It, it, it's not, it, it, I'll say it's not encouraging to see that for sure. What, yeah. And so whether, whether it's unlucky, 
whether it's a ability to play through that type of stuff, whatever it is. And again, I, I am in no place. I didn't play at a level anywhere close to what these guys are playing in. So I am not going to sit here and, and, and call a player out, a professional athlete. But whatever it is, it seems to happen to Killian Hayes a lot. Right. And I don't know if that's something that gets better or not, but I just know he missed out on some minutes last night because of – a pop to the nose because of a pop to the eye. And again, maybe it was way worse than what I'm giving it credit for, but it tends to happen to killing Hayes a lot. That's all I'll say. Absolutely. All right. So let's switch gears here. Let's talk a little bit about the draft night, which I'll say it right now, by (laughs) far and away, the most fun I ever had watching any draft, whether it's NBA, MLB, NHL, NFL. I had a blast watching that draft and it started off uh, with the Kings doing us what we think is the most Kings move ever and selecting Keegan Murray at four and not selecting Jay Nivey, which thank you very much. He fell to us at five. My question for you, Bryce, we saw his performance last night. We, I mean, he really pretty much replicated what we saw out of him in college. Sure. He, he was great in the open court. He was great getting to the hoop. He solid, solid shot from the three point line, two of five, not great, not terrible. Um, a little rusty on the turnovers and stuff like that. Of course. Um, How many, what's happen. the, what's the box score say? Cause I never saw the box score either. What's it having for turnovers? Five, five to six. Okay. So a little higher than we would like. Um, my question for you though, Bryce, what is the upside of, of Jay, Jay Nivey? Do you think that it's possible that he could elevate himself uh, one day to maybe be known as the best player that comes out of this draft. I know we saw a great performance in Chet's first summer league game. Absolutely. And then pretty much a 180 in his second. Um, you know, is he, is there a chance that he could be better than Paolo and, and JSJ? And, and I really hope he's going to be better than Keegan Murray. Do you think that's possible? I think it's possible. I, you know, being in Vegas, if I had to put money on it, if I had to make a bet, I would not put it on Jaden Ivey being the absolute best player. But I think his ceiling is high enough that he'll he can be as good as what this Pistons organization needs him to be. And it's all going to come down to can the shot get a little more consistent? Can he eliminate some of those turnovers? I didn't realize it was five or you know turnovers last night. So that's definitely more than what you would want because he wasn't always playing as the primary ball handler either. I will say for me, the draft night like fireworks started right at number one when the Magic did take Paulo Bancaro oh when it no, sounded right. like it was going to be Jabari Smith Jr. And Paulo Bancaro was number one on my board. So I was excited for that. And he looked good on Thursday night, by the way. He, he played yes, really absolutely. well in that game. And JSJ didn't necessarily play well a lot of the the concerns people have with jsj showed up in the game on thursday night tari easton actually played really well for the rockets i know we're getting a little off track here but um so i would still like if, if i had to put a bet you know as soon as we got done recording if i had to go down to the vegas you know one of the sports books and put money on i would probably still put it on paulo but i think there's absolutely a chance for jay and I because that first step that explosiveness that speed like it shows in person as well. Like it's real, Mitch, it's real. And if he can, can learn to control it and hone it and play at different speeds, he could be, he could be a special player. See my argument for it. And I would tend to agree with you that, you know, realistically speaking, Jay Nivey probably won't end up as the best player in this draft. My argument for him possibly becoming the best player in this draft 
is the team that surrounds him. And I know record sure. record wise, it doesn't show, but I think if you put a guy like Jay Nivey, who is an off ball scorer, who can do things off the ball as, as well as with the ball in his hands, you combine that person with Kate Cunningham and you're putting shooters. Around. I know shooting is something that the Pistons need to improve upon. Um, you're putting shooters around him, like Isaiah livers, hopefully Isaiah Stewart too. I, I really, yeah, Sadiq, of course. I really think that, you know, we could be seeing a lot of highlights of, you know, Jay Nivey backdoor into the rim, lobbed from Cade, and he is just going to dominate Sports Center. I, I, I hope that's what happens. But I think that his level, his highlight reel level, I, I think he has higher potential there than maybe Apollo or a JSJ. So the reason I would say Paulo still is I still think Paulo can be the absolute number one hub of your offense. Like I think in Orlando, he can be the do it all. You run your offense through that guy, whether you throw it to him at the mid post, whether you, he can play either positions of the ball screen. He can be the ball hand ball screen handler, or he can be the ball screen roll guy or pick and pop guy or whatever. Like, I think he can be the number one option, the number one hub in your offense. I think Jay Nivey probably is going to peak as a number two guy, which is perfect for Detroit, right? Like you're absolutely right. Like Cade Cunningham is going to make him look really, really good as Jay Nivey continues to get better. And and I do, I'm glad you talked about Jay Nivey off ball. I, I went and watched rewatch some film on Jay Nivey. And then as he plays through summer league, I'll, I'll clip out some more stuff. And I think there'll be an article coming at, at Detroit bad boys about why he can be successful playing off ball. If Jaden Ivy is comfortable not being a primary ball handler, he is going to thrive in the NBA off ball because he can cut, he can catch lobs. Like you can start doing some creative stuff with him. The first play last night, he st- started with him off ball. They set a little yep. pin down. He came out of the corner, curled into the lane. Help came. He throws it up to Jalen Duran, and then Jalen Duran does what Jalen Duran does. You know, but Jay Nivey will thrive in those situations. Absolutely. So Jalen Duran, you just said it right there. We swing a trade for him at thirteen. And that was insane. I, that, I, that, that, that was craziness, was Mitch. I remember watching the draft and, and he had just been selected and they're talking, they're getting ready to switch gears to, I forget who had the 14th pick, but they're getting ready uh, to switch Cleveland, gears. Cleveland, Cleveland. They're getting ready to switch gears and they, they just like sprinkled it in there. They're like, uh, uh oh, oh, and Detroit just traded for Jalen Durant. He's going <laughs> to Detroit. And I was like, I, I jacked the TV volume up. I'm like, wait a second. Do they just say Jalen Durant's going to Detroit? And I lost my mind. I was like, oh, my God, he has done it again. Troy Weaver, the fleecer, man, does it again, gets Jalen Duran. And obviously, you know, we loved what we saw from him last night. He is everything. And of course, it is summer league, but he is everything that, you know, he was described to be. I mean, he is this big course. We talked about the body, a strapping young lad. Um <laughs> Great up top, gra- grabbing the lo- lobs. He had two blocks. I believe he had a steal, too. Don't quote me on it. I think he did have a steal, um, two blocks. My concern with Jalen Dern, it's actually really not really a concern. It's more of just a question about how crowded the Pistons front court is getting. You sure. got Marvin Bagley. Just signed him to a three-year, $37.5 million deal. You got Isaiah Stewart. You got Kelly Olynyk, And now you draft Jalen Duran And Nerlens Noel. And Nerlens Noel, thank you. Forgot about that guy. Um, it's getting crowded and playing time. You know, there's only so much playing time to go around. Now, we were just talking a little bit before pod. Hey, everyone is kind of expecting Jalen Duran to go down at the G League, at least for a few weeks, maybe a month or two at the beginning of the season. 
if he plays like he did last night, I'm not sure if that is going to happen or not. Um, so my question for you, Bryce, what do you see coming of this Pistons front court? Do you see this as like who, who's going to dominate this playtime is what I'm asking. Real quick before we get there, how awesome is Troy Weaver for content creators like us with everything oh he with, with everything he's doing? And that trade was insane, right? Because it, they, it, there was reports it was Detroit, and then somebody was saying it was the Knicks because actually the Hornets drafted him, traded him to the Knicks, and then the Knicks traded him to the Pistons. So that whole right. thing was like, and there was all sorts of picks flying back and forth. It, it was insane. So this goes back to what we talked about with Isaiah Stewart, Mitch, and being able to shoot the three, because if he can do that, now he can play the four a little bit more. And let's say you start... I love the idea of Stu and Jalen Duran together. Like I just, oh I just gosh. can't get past it because defensively that's insane. Now the problem with that is then you may like you may be KO and Bagley in the second unit, and those guys aren't guarding a lick. Nope. Um, it's it's not bad offensively because KO can stretch the floor and Bagley can catch lobs, but if KO can play the four, like I don't know, like. You have to have a shooter between one of those two guys. Whoever you quote unquote call the four and whoever you call the five is is up to you. But I do think if Stu can shoot, then you can put Stu with Bagley. You can put Stu with Durin. And then obviously KO can go with either one of those guys. I kind of wonder, again, Omari, a self-plug, Omari and I on the Pistons Pulse on Tuesday talked about like maybe Nerlens Noel isn't part of this rotation, Mitch. Like maybe he just, you know, it was a way to push the money into next offseason. You know, and I don't know if we'll get a chance to talk about this or not the cap flexibility that Troy Weaver still has created for this team, Mm -hmm. but him and Alec Burks are both on team options next year. So you could bring in Nerlens Noel, just have an insurance policy in case somebody gets hurt or whatever, or maybe there's a trade that ends up happening. You decline his team option. There's $10 million more in cap space next off season. Uh, So Bryce, you just mentioned that you don't think that Nerlens Noel it's possible that he could fall out of this rotation. Now, whether he does or whether he doesn't, my question for you is obviously Nerlens Noel is known for his defensive specialty, really. And I think, of course, you know, we've talked about Jalen Duran. I think that Jalen Duran was put on this earth to be a top tier shot blocker, top tier defender, defending big man in the NBA. Do you think that Nerlens Noel and his play style is going to rub off on Jalen. What are some things that you think that Nerlens could teach Jalen in, in his young age? Yeah, absolutely. I think that that stuff's always important, right? Like I, as I did my film breakdown of Jalen Duran, I don't want to say there was major, major quote unquote motor issues. You know, I know that's kind of a buzzword whenever you're talking about NBA draft prospects, but I think that's something that Isaiah Stewart, obviously you never question his motor. And so I think that's something that could rub off on Jalen Duran as well. So you get someone like Nerlens Noel, who's been around the league for a while. And I absolutely think that that Jalen Duran can learn from him, how he blocks shots, how he goes about even like being a lob threat. Like it's not just about jumping as high as everybody else. There's some nuance to it. You know, where do you roll? How fast do you roll? If you're in the dunker spot, you know, when do you step in those type of things? So I think Nerlens Noel will be a little bit of that vet presence along with Alec Burks who came over in that trade as well, because Jeremy Grant's gone. Kojo's still here. Rodney Magruder's gone, you know, like as much as the fan base didn't, you know, I don't know if they, liked him or didn't like him, but by all accounts, he was tremendous in the locker room. So you need guys at those positions to help those players along. So maybe Nerlens will kind of be the vet of the big man room along with KO, but someone that does something a little bit different. I can't believe Corey Joseph is still here. 
how has he done? How has he done this? He's still here. It's amazing. <laughs> Mitch, what's going to happen when he's in the starting lineup on opening night? I'm, I'm not going to be happy, but you're going to be receiving <laughs> some texts from me. <laughs> Why is this guy here still? I'm not going to be a happy man, but I, uh, I don't think that's what's going to happen, but I would not be absolutely shocked if it, if it happened. And here's the thing. He shot good from three last year. So we talk about shooting and floor spacing for this team. Like, Corey Joseph shot the ball well from three last season. So he would do some of that. He does some of the little quote unquote veteran things. Again, I know like calling a guy a vet and doing those things is kind of, you know, cliche, but he does do those things. He makes the right rotations to a box out on the weak side and some of that stuff. So I I don't think he's out of the rotation, even though every time I do the two deep depth chart, I end up putting him out of it, but I don't think that's going to be the case. I'm, I'm starting to think that he's got some dirt on Casey or something like that, man. <laughs> There's a reason this guy's still at the starting lineup. It's crazy. Like uh, what will be interesting is if he gets moved at the deadline, like what does Corey Joseph want? Does he want to be here, be a vet that just helps these guys along or you know, that's a really easy contract to move. I think it's $5 million this year, an expiring deal. You know, the, does the team end up needing a backup point guard to, you know, that's competing for a playoff spot? And does he end up getting moved for a second round pick or something? That's actually another interesting interesting way I, I could take the conversation. Do you see with, I know we kind of just wrapped up our whole front court conversation. Do you see possibly with it being crowded, you see one of those guys possibly being moved at the deadline? The front court guys like Noel or KO yeah, or something. Yeah, the front yeah. court guys. Because KO's on an interesting contract as well, like $12 million, But next year, I think it's only like $3 million guaranteed or something like that. I'd have to pull up spot track. But so he's on a, on a decent contract as well. And I think KO's better than what we saw last year, Mitch. Like mm-hmm. he got hurt, um, not to get like into the whole COVID conversation, but he got COVID. And we know that that has affected people in different ways. And it seemed like it really, really, you know, hindered KO. I think KO's another guy that could possibly start. Like, it, I don't think it's crazy for him to start at the four. I would personally start either Sadiq Bay or Isaiah Livers if you're not going to do the Isaiah Stewart, Jalen Duran, you know, a front court there. You know, talking about the front court, those are two other guys. I want to see Sadiq play excuse me, I'm sorry, Sadiq Bey play minutes at the four. So now you have to add him into the equation. And I really like Isaiah Livers game. So there's a lot of dynamics here, but to answer your, your question directly, yes, I think you could see KO off the, the roster by the deadline or maybe Nerland's Noel. Um, but again, if you don't, you could let both of those guys go in free agency and create almost $20 million in cap space next off season. Troy Weaver, Troy Weaver is a wizard or whoever does the cap, whoever does the cap stuff, Mitch, here's what's great. Marvin Bagley, the third could start the off season as the Pistons highest paid player at like $12 million. That's crazy. (laughs) Like, like, and and whether I know we're, we're not going to talk about it on this. I'm sure you have, but like, whether you like that contract or not, I don't, at the end of the day, I don't think it hurts anything because everything else is the books are so clean everywhere else. More dead money's coming off. Um, You know, Kimba's will come off. I assume Dwayne Deadman's is finally going to come off. Yeah. Seriously. Like like it's let's get, let's get to it, man. You brought it up off season, free agency, made some good trades. Uh, Marvin Bagley, the one re-signing that we have, uh, three years, thirty-seven and a half yep. million dollars. So l- let's get your opinion on it. Is that is he worth that deal? It was more than what I wanted, or uh, I shouldn't say wanted. It was more than I thought. I, I thought something under ten million. Like 
Wow, said, you thought something under 10, so you no, went way no, off. No, 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 oh, per year. year. Per year, yeah. Sorry, okay, sorry, sorry. Right. I was like, going to say, wow, we got him on a deal. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, like, so, like, I was I was hoping something like three years, 30 million team option on the third year. Like, that would have been what I would have, like, wanted to cap. But I say that, like, I'm not, I'm not losing any sleep over this contract. I am not absolutely losing any sleep over it whatsoever. I do think that that third year is going to come into play. It'll be interesting if by that third year we're, like, you know, Bagley's not even in the rotation and we're paying him 12 million. And then by that year, the Pistons are trying to compete. Like they hopefully will be like in the play-in game or, you know, uh, first round of the playoff, you know, type stuff. So I don't think it's detrimental. It's, it's not going to be that big of a deal. It was interesting to hear some national guys reaction, like Sam Vecini. I listened to the game theory podcast. He called it an, an insane contract Keith Smith, who uh, I really, really like, again, listen to his podcast, The Front Office Show. He called it interesting and pretty much was like, who were the Pistons bidding against that they had to give him that money? I know it's kind of divided the fan base. I, I think it's fine. Like, it, it it's whatever. See, I, I disagree with, with those guys on Game Theory. And that's, and in my opinion, you know, guys that do that, you have to cover the whole league. I, I yes. just don't think that they have, they watched enough Marvin Bagley on the Pistons. And I would agree with you. I think we're in lockstep that I would have liked to see a little bit less money and a team option still. But I do think that he could, I think Marvin Bagley is a good player. I'll say that. And I think that he only, what he only played like, it was under 20 18, games, I 18 think, right? games, 18, 18 games, games with, with the he Pistons. Looked, he looked really, really good in those 18 games. Who knows what he's going to look like when he gets to an 80 game sample size with the team. I really think that and it's sort of like that Jay Nivey thing that we were talking about. I think the with the team, the way the team is constructed around Marvin Bagley, having a guy like Kate Cunningham, hopefully having some shooters this year in in stew. And I know we know Sadiq Bay can shoot in livers. Hopefully Kelly O comes back healthy. Alec Burks. Alec Burks, of course, a noted Pistons killer shooting 40% for, <laughs> I think, three years in a row now from beyond the arc. I really do that think that Marvin Bagley could play up to this contract and maybe maybe taking a little step too far here, but maybe even play above it. I mean, he was really good in some games that we saw him with uh, with Cade and catching the lobs and getting down in that low post. I mean, the guy can score. It's, it's yeah. proven. Yeah, so he, I think he has to add one aspect of his game. If he adds one more aspect to his game, I think the, the contract is completely justified. So either you come become more of an uh, all-around offensive player, like you become a better passer, like you make some short roll reads, or the, the jump shot doesn't look bad. That's what's weird about the oh, jump it shot. It, Not at all. It looks good. It just hasn't been good. You know, like that's the difference. It, it can look good, but if it doesn't go in, it doesn't matter. So – can he become a better passer where he can like pick and roll or pick and pop or sorry, a better shooter, excuse me. And then defensively, does he end up bringing, he's bad defensively, Mitch. Yes. He really is. But does he somehow develop better defensive awareness where he starts blocking a couple shots or he becomes better in drop coverage or something like that? Like maybe I think that's what the organization is banking on is he improves in one area. And if he does that, like now you're talking about a great contract. And if he doesn't, he still provides something this team needs. I think the people who think it's an way overpay felt like what he did well was like almost 
uh, spotlighted because nobody else on the roster could do what he can do. Like how long did we ask for a lob threat and this team never had it? And then he comes in, he does it. And it's like, Oh my gosh, he's incredible. Well, we just didn't have anybody else could, they could do that. And now that we do, maybe it seems worth more than what it is. And now you have Jalen Duran who can do those things as younger can play defense. So I can see why people don't love the contract. The, at the end of the day, it's not going to hurt anything if he ends up not getting any better. Right. This is not, you know, this is not a Russell Westbrook size contract. Exactly. Russell Westbrook size play. <laughs> so I don't really don't think that we have anything to be worried about. Let's talk about Alec Burks. Now, as I just mentioned, noted piston killer, man, I feel like (laughs) every single time we match up with the squad that he's on, he is just torching us 25 plus. Obviously we know he's a great shooter, uh, 40% over 40% for the last three seasons here. So this is not like a fluky. Yeah. He had one good year shooting the ball. Now this is this guy that is known he can shoot. Uh, obviously that is a huge need on this team. How do you see him fitting into this team? Do you think he, he works his way into that starting lineup right off the bat? Does he come off the bench? How do you see him fitting into the squad? Yeah, like I think opposite of Nerland's Noel, where it's like, okay, where does he fit with the rotation? Maybe it depends on Jalen Duran. Like Alec Burks is absolutely going to play for this basketball team. And I don't know if it's in the starting lineup. You know, we could go through it and I could find lineups where it's like, yeah, he makes sense. Like, I wonder if they would start a line. Like, if you want to go a little bit smaller, right? You could go Cade, Ivy, Burks, Bay, and, and Stu at the five. Now that leaves some of those big guys out. If you want to stay bigger and, you know, start Stu at the four, like I could see. Alec Burke starting at the two next to Cade and you bring Jay Nivey off the bench, but do you want to play Killian Hayes and Jay Nivey together? Like it, it, coach Casey and the staff have a lot of deci- hard decisions to make. And they obviously have plenty of time to do it. They got three months before the season and all of those things. But I, I think I feel very confidently that Alec Burks is going to be in the rotation one way or the other because of that floor spacing. And that's absolutely something this team needs. So uh, I'm excited. And I, again, though, is he a guy that ends up getting flipped at the trade deadline then? Like, does he come in? Do you start him, let him take a bunch of threes, shoot the ball well, and then that's a really nice contract to flip to a contender who needs shooting. Absolutely. So one thing that I kind of want to get to just to kind of wrap up the episode we have seen Troy Weaver obviously coming from uh, an organization that knows what they're doing. That has an, enough first round picks <laughs> to where they could just give them out at this point. The Oklahoma City Thunder. He comes over the over here. Um, excuse me. He comes over here from there to Detroit from OKC. And on paper, at least now we could say that on paper, these moves that he has made from the Duran trade to you train up to get Duran drafting Ivy, you know, finding Sadiq and Stu in the later half of the first round. You know, obviously, I I guess we can throw in drafting Cade, even though that was kind of a gimme, but he's made some really nice moves on paper. And obviously, we can't really, really judge him until we see how these moves pan out. You know, does Cade end up being, you know, a perennial all-star? Does Ivy pan out? What happens with Sadiq and Stu and Burks and Duran and all these, you know, so many different moves that Weaver has made in the short time that he's been the Pistons GM. As of right now, with these moves on paper, where do you think Troy Weaver ranks in terms of NBA GMs? Is he a top 15, maybe even top 10 GM? Like, can we, is it fair to call him that? Because, like I said, I know we have to see how these moves pan out, but 
not only us Pistons fans and Pistons content creators, but nationally, he's been getting much, a lot of praise for the moves that he has been making. So my question, like, where does he stand in, in the echelon of NBA GMs? Yeah, without like going through each team, I think it would be hard to put him any higher than like, you know, middle of the pack. And I only say it for this reason, Mitch. We haven't seen him make the big decisions that are ultimately going to decide whether this team competes in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like he broke the roster down and he's done it at an incredible in an incredible rate, like in an incredible way. He cap flexibility, roster flexibility, young talent, draft picks, all of that stuff. He's done an incredible job. So I like I'm not trying to slight him by saying like you can't say he's a top 10 GM, but we also haven't seen whether like he's putting a great core together or not. We don't know yet because we haven't seen it play out and there's going to be a move made. Like at some point you can't keep kicking the can down the road with salary cap space. Eventually he's going to have to use it in a way. Here's the example, the Minnesota Timberwolves, right? They saw their, uh, you know, their chance and they went after Rudy Gobert. Mm-hmm. And their front office is going to be, you know, like the, the legacy for that front office is going to be decided by, was that the right move at the right time? That move is coming for Troy Weaver in the next couple seasons right. of when he decides to use all this cap space, whether it's a trade, a signing, whatever it is, it's going to be defined by that move and these draft picks. Like Isaiah Stewart and Sadiq Bay, I think we know we're good picks, right? right. Killian Hayes probably could end up being a miss. Cade was right. Like as much as I love Ivy and Duran, they could both end up being bust. Like we've seen one summer league game. If those guys are bust, this completely changes the narrative. What if Jaden Ivy becomes a starter and Jalen Duran becomes a starter? He's drafted a bunch of starters in the last two, three drafts. And so, but I still think there's a major move coming and that will ultimately decide kind of how we remember Troy Weaver. And, and what terrifies me with that is, and I know you, you, you weren't covering the Pistons at this time. Two names for you. I know. Charlie V. Yep. Ben Gordon. Ben Gordon. Yep. Uh, At Pistons and cap space generally just, don't uh, mix. No, the no fan base hates cap space more than the Detroit Pistons fan base because Absolutely. of the history of it. Here's what here's the thing. It's not just about the cap space, though. Like, it's not about signing free agents. Like, you can use that cap space in a variety of ways. Um you know, like in trades and, and stuff like that, like in free agency, sometimes you end up overpaying for a guy like, you know, like the Knicks ended up moving heaven and earth for Jalen Brunson. Like, it's really going right, to be interesting yeah. to see how Jalen Brunson, but you can also, like I say, you can, it makes it easier to trade for guys whenever you have that cap space and those type of things. So again, I, I thought this off season was going to be huge for Troy Weaver. Cause I was like, okay, here comes the big decisions in terms of who do you draft? What do you do with the cap space? And what do you do with Jeremy Grant? It looks like the Jeremy Grant trade was a home run now that we've seen it in totality. Like how much were we, how harshly were we judging that trade when it happened? But now it netted us Jalen Duran and expiring contracts and some second round picks and all of that stuff. So it looks like a really good trade. There's more and more tough decisions coming. He broke this thing down in a really smart creative way that created a ton of flexibility. Now it's about acquiring top level talent and building it back up. And again, I think that's, what's going to ultimately decide how we feel about him as a GM. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, last questions, last question for you. So 
if our young players, if, if things go well, if they seem to take a step up development wise, and, and that's Cade, that's Stu, that's, you know, Sadiq, Killian, really all of them across the board. Of course, Jay and Ivy, Jalen Dern, if, if Ivy is the fifth overall pick that we expected him to be, you know, he's got that explosiveness, that first step, you know, the athletic ability, same thing with Jalen Dern. If all these guys seem to pan out in their first year, what does our record look like? I, I, I know that being a playing team is maybe maybe a long shot. I mean, I don't know. What what do you think? What do you think about that? Do you think that there is a there's a postseason shot here? And, and when I say postseason, I'm counting the playing tournament as postseason. Do you think there's a postseason shot here for this team, or do you think it, it's purely a development year? Yeah, I I don't. Um, going into the offseason, I thought there was a pathway for that. Like I thought, like okay, if you if you sign and trade for DeAndre Ayton and you know, and I know a lot of people didn't like this, but then you go and sign Colin Sexton and you add players like that to this rotation and this roster, then I'm like, yeah, you may be competing for a playing game. The path that Troy Weaver took either by design or because it was plan B or whatever it was, which would be really interesting to know. Like what, what was the ultimate, what was plan A? Was this plan A or did something happen A domino fall where he had to change course? I don't know. But the way the dominoes fell, the way the off season went, I don't think this is a team that's competing. It's a team that could be a lot of fun, Mitch, which I think is Pistons. Like I'm cool with because the 2023 draft is supposed to be loaded. So if we can have a lot of fun watching Cade, Ivy, Sadiq, Duran, Stu on down the line and still get a top five pick, top seven pick in the draft, win 30 games. I'm okay with that. You know, and then you have a ton of cap space and next offseason is going to be incredible for guys like me and you creating content because Weaver has all sorts of moves up his sleeve again. So um, I think we should temper our expectations. I know I have based on how the offseason went, because if, if some of these guys don't shoot, floor spacing can be a major issue for this team. Like that's I've taken some heat for being overly critical about that. But shooting is definitely a huge question mark for this roster. And I'm really interested to see how that plays out. Okay, fair enough. Couldn't couldn't agree more, honestly, because shooting floor spacing, I mean, has plagued this team for many years. And like you said, I mean, if some of these guys, if they're not knocking down shots, it's going to continue to plague this team. So anyways, I thank you very, very much for joining us real quick for my audience. Where can they find you? Where can they interact with your stuff? Absolutely. So at Motor City Hoops on Twitter, I'm always tweeting stuff out, content, everything I'm doing, trying to grow the YouTube channel. So if you guys want to check that out, uh, Motor City Hoops, Bryce Simon on YouTube, and then listen to the podcast, uh, Omari Sanko for the second, Pistons Beat Writer for the Detroit Free Press, wherever you listen to podcasts, The Pistons Pulse. And uh, Mitch, I always have a great time, man. I appreciate you asking me on. Hopefully we can do it again soon. And uh, I had a lot of fun. Amazing. Love having you on. Hope to have you on again soon. That was episode 55 of the Motor City Sound. Thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next time.
Thank you.